Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with Mr. Andy McCune. You may know Andy as the co-founder of Unfold, one of the hottest growing design and storytelling apps, or as the founder of Earth, the gigantic account on Instagram, a millennial-focused travel media company as well. Andy's work and passions have landed him and his co-founder, Alfonso Cobo, who is also in an episode of the Darkroom Podcast, on the coveted Forbes 30 Under 30 list and an array of publications. Side note, back in Alfonso Cobo's episode, I called that they would be uh, in the 30 under 30 before it happened. And I let Andy know that right away, but I just want to let you guys know as well that happened all because of this podcast. Uh, not really, but uh, I like to say that. So anyways, we walked through what it was like to drop out of college just a year into school and how he transformed his mindset into becoming an infinite learner of life and into the unknown. There's an ongoing theme in this podcast, uh, about finding comfort in the unknown and really what it takes to grow a business and to grow as a creative and as an entrepreneur uh, by just putting yourself in situations that you know you're forced to to learn and you're forced to grow to make some progress and uh, and that was really cool you know Andy is he's a young guy and it's it's so cool to hear you know young like super young people in this space that are just absolutely killing it. And then you get to talk to these people and, you know, they become like, you know, they become a real voice. Like it's not just, you know, a story or it's not just like a Wikipedia title. Like you really get to see how hard some of these people grind out, you know, and, and what it takes to, to become what they've become. And it's not, it's not what you think. It's never what you think. It's not just, you know, oh yeah, started a business. Everything went great. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's out there, but we really get into, you know, his story of how, how it all happened. And, and it's, you know, it's different. It's, it's, there's ups and downs, like as any, you know, as any success story is, and that's, you know, kind of something we jump into. Anyways, we also hear about Andy's experience in starting businesses from his bedroom and how that has helped him scale his current ventures. So I had a super good time talking to Andy and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. I hope you take a lot from it. And Andy is just getting started. So yeah. All right, you guys enjoy this. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And without further ado, here is a conversation with Andy McCune. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Andy McCune, first off, I want to say that, that your name reminds me of a name of like a lead singer rock star from the 60s, like 60s to 70s, right? Like, <laughs> like Andy McCune, like that just sounds like a documentary waiting to happen, which it is, but also like a documentary with like a long-haired rocker in like 30 years from now. Oh my gosh, I've never gotten that before. I usually get um, Andy from Toy Story or Andy Milanakis. Those are like my two, but yeah. I'm pretty sure your, yours is my favorite. Well, because sure. those already exist, but like this is like a parallel universe right, of no. Andy McCune, right? Hey, no, I'm into it. I'm into it. Maybe in another life. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, dude, I'm so pumped to talk to you. We talked to, I talked to uh, your buddy slash co-founder of Unfold, Alfonso Cobo, early on, which was awesome. But I do have to say that you guys definitely 
owe me a giant thanks because let's be real. I definitely uh, <laughs> knew that you guys were going to be Forbes 30 under 30. And in that you podcast, I said it. And yep, I think yep. that it's obvious now that everyone at Forbes listens to the podcast and they, they were listening to that. They said, okay, maybe we'll give these dudes a shot. And that it's all because of that. No, it's so clear. I mean, you got our edible arrangement, right? We we sent one over. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it took a long time to get here because it's New York to LA. Uh, but it finally got here. There was one strawberry left and it was half eaten. Thank you for that. Oh, perfect. Um, no, of course. Dude, that is so incredible. And like, it, it for one, it makes a lot of sense, especially once we get more into this this uh, chat, people understand really like what you guys have, have done already. Uh, in such an early stage of Unfold. But for two, like, dude, how was that? And how was that process? And just like being, you know, in that club, like what was that all all like? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's actually so funny. I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but um, when, when we were approaching applications, I was like, no, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. Like oh, wow. there's no way. Cause I'm always, I don't know. I'm always like, I, I just like felt like it was too early, but by the time we actually, they got around to actually making the picks, we'd grown so much in that span where it like made a little more sense. Yeah. Um, but no, the process was like, was, was one of the craziest things I've, I've ever been through. Um, so actually when they, when they, when they chose us, they didn't tell us that we had been picked. So they go like, they say you're, you're being highly considered. And so Alfie and I are like, oh, does that mean we got it? Does that mean we didn't? Like, we're going back and forth. Uh Um, But you don't actually know. And then you start to, you're like, oh, no, we definitely got it. But you're like, no, now that we we think that we got it, if we don't get it, we're going to be devastated. You know what I mean? So it was like these head games for weeks, but... Um, but no, then it, then it came out and you don't actually know until the morning when it drops on the website. Um, crazy. So yeah. So, you know, the same time that the rest of the world knows, um, yeah. So that happened, which was so cool. And then, um, we got the opportunity to go and and ring the NASDAQ bell, which was so so crazy. Just such a surreal moment for us. Um, and since then the 30 under 30 network is just amazing. I mean, like the events that they have, um, just such top, like top, top level people and made so many friends there and so many amazing connections, just such like an inspiring group of people. Um, so no, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been unreal. It's been so massive and so much better than I, than I could have imagined for sure. So when, when something like that happens, like, did you, did you guys have a connection through Forbes that, that knew of you or knew you guys? Did you shake any hands early on or did they honestly just genuinely like find you guys because of all the success and reach out because of that? Or do you have like any type of PR that works with you for things like that? Or, you know, how does that all work? So we did have PR um, that's like going and securing placements and different outlets and stuff. So yeah. like when our application goes through to Forbes and they're like, oh, who, you know, who are these guys? Like what is Unfold? Obviously there's like a huge, you know, list of different, you know, press um, pieces and stuff like that that comes up, which definitely helps reinforce your legitimacy as a business. Yeah. So I think that that definitely helped. Um, but as far as like influencing, you know, directly or having connections at Forbes or anything like that, I mean, that didn't really play a part in it. Um, I do think that there were some people at Forbes that were familiar with Unfold, mm-hmm. um, including some people on the social team. So obviously that helps like when, when there's people on the team who are already familiar with your product and love it. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it was a really amazing experience and uh, was such a shock to me when 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 the list dropped and we were on it, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. So so cool, man! Congratulations again. And and Thank speaking you so much. of unfold, being familiar, dude, like unfold 
I like, I can't imagine it not being in my creative arsenal. And like, I'm being 100% serious. Like I use unfold probably every day. Um, I make stories not only for me, but I do make stories for clients too now, which is incredible. And dude, it's so cool, man. Like you guys have given the tools to, to not only like be like super creative on your own, but you've given the tools to like get brands interested and to get, you know, like super big, like businesses and celebrities and everyone is so stoked on unfold, which is amazing. And you guys I've seen have been working with some brands as well. Can you kind of jump into like this newer, this newer state of unfold and, and doing some of these like crazy big collaborations? Yeah, totally. So this is more, this is kind of what my focus is under Unfold. So I'm kind of heading up Unfold for Brands, um, which is like, like B2B agency, yeah. uh, where we're like executing these brand partnerships. So a few months back, we we launched the um, the partnership program in collaboration with Equinox, was our first brand that we piloted it with. And this program, basically, we, we had all of these brands reaching out um, and asking us if we could create, you know, branded custom templates for them. Um, and like at the end of the day, Unfold's kind of top two user types are influencers and then like social media managers or like digital strategists. Right. Right. Um, because like those are the people that are spending the most time like creating their stories and, and making them look professional. Right. Yeah. It's like the influencers and then people who are doing it like on the brand level. So, um, so many of these social media managers who are using Unfold for their brands were reaching out. Um, and so we were like, wow, we really have to like start supplying an offering to, you know, keep up with, with all of these inquiries and this demand that's mm-hmm. coming through. So that's where Unfold for Brands came from. So first brand was, was um, Equinox. And since then, we've done a few other ones. And we just did Tommy Hilfiger, which yeah. um, was so crazy. So that was the first time that we had um, done a public branded collection. So most of the time, they're, they're private. So you have to go into the Unfold store and like type in a secret code to unlock the brand collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the but the Tommy Hilfiger one was one that you know got pushed to every single user. Everyone got a push notification. Everyone got a pop up in the app. Yeah. Um, which was so interesting from from the brand angle because we're essentially empowering people to tell their stories through the aesthetic and like the brand voice of Tommy Hilfiger, right? And you have to think about, like, from the brand perspective, all of those stories that are being uploaded and shared are, like, you know, impressions that Tommy is earning um, to, to build their brand equity. For sure. Which is so, so powerful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the Tommy thing was so awesome. And we did it in parallel with their Tommy Now show, um, their, their Fashion Week show in Paris um, that they were doing with Zendaya. And so we went to that show and we also shot, you know, a bunch of behind-the-scenes content. Um, and we were we were at the show, running behind stage, kind of shooting photos, running back into the editing room, editing yeah. in real time, shooting them over to the to the iPhone and throwing them in the Tommy Hilfiger templates, and yeah. then shooting those stories over to Tommy's social team. Dude, this so sounds they could nuts, man. Them. Yeah, so nuts. It, was, it was really really cool. But um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing on the brand side. So, like, when when you're doing stuff with like Tommy, for instance, are you working with their creative team as well to kind of come together and make? templates that like everyone's stoked on or do they give you guys the keys and say like here like do your thing and 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 you know we'll we'll see what happens so it's a really collaborative process um some brands want to be really involved because they're you know they have a strong creative team they're like we understand our vision and we know what we want yeah and then there's other brands that are like hey we trust you as experts in this space 
Um, and we love, you know, your creative direction. So we would love you to play more of a part there. So it's always, it's different from brand to brand and it's always a balance, but usually very collaborative. Um, and we're, we're working with their, you know, creative teams going through their brand books, reading through their brand guidelines. Um, but also really diving into kind of what the strategy is for, for the templates. Yeah. So for every brand, it's really different. Like, are these templates going to be used you know, internally just with your social team? Um, on your own social channels, or are you going to be giving access to different ambassadors and influencers so they can create, you know, higher level branded content for their deliverables? Right. Um, or there's there's so many different use cases, and all of those influence what the templates will look like. So it's it's a very collaborative process, but it's it's always really fun and. It keeps us really fresh creatively working with different creative teams. Yeah, yeah. So, like so. in the in the beginning, obviously it was you know just you and 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 Kobo. But like now, like what does the team look like? You know, two thousand nineteen unfold. Like what? How big is that team? So it's eighteen right now, Whoa. and we're coming up on twenty. Yeah, so nice, crazy. Man. Um, we're totally remote. We don't have an office. Alfie and I are here in New York, obviously. But yeah, yeah. We're all over the world, dude. I dig um, that, man. That's so two thousand nineteen. Yeah, no, it's it's really really cool. Yeah, it, it provides everyone total flexibility. Like, I'm going to you know Mexico on Thursday. Cool. Um, I'll be working from down there. Alfie just got back from Spain. Like, we're just constantly on the move, but always connected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the team is 18 now. Um, it's been I guess 14 months. So really really crazy. Um, and majority of the team is engineers because we're. We have a lot of things that we want to build out and yeah, a, a yeah. lot of things we want to accomplish. But um, no, I mean, that's been, it's been one of the most interesting parts of, of running Unfold is learning how to build out a team. Because, um, I mean, that's something that Alfie and I had, had never done before. So mm-hmm. been a really steep learning curve for us, but um, definitely like one of the most rewarding rewarding parts of it, just building a super strong team um, and, and kind of like trying to tackle them, the mission of the company together. So nice, man, dude. So how, like, have you had to kind of learn how to work remote or is that, has that come pretty natural to you? So I've always like, even prior to unfold, I've always worked pretty solo and, and remote. Um, so it actually is like, this is much easier for me than if I had to go into an office. Um, I've actually never had a real job either. So I, actually I've never worked in an office, like a day-to-day job. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't really been a learning curve for me, but it's how I work the best. Yeah. So that it's, it works out, but what, uh, what part of Mexico? I'm going to Tulum. Dude. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this is the best segue because today I went on, uh, earth and I read the top 10 destinations as of 2019 to go travel and number one, no, it's not number one. Is it number one? Is number one Tulum? Uh, in the article, I think it's, I think it's number one. So that's awesome. Because when I saw that, I was like, Tulum, interesting. Uh, have you been out there before? Yeah, I have. So I kind of split my time between New York and Tulum. Um, so I'm actually, I'm going on Thursday for a few days, really excited about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, just to provide some context. So for the listeners, so earth did, um, kind of like a data study. And basically what we did was we tracked where all of the top 100 travel influencers were traveling in, in 2018 um, by pulling the geolocations off of their off of their posts and then pinning them on a map and creating a heat map from that. And so from there, we put together a list of the top 10 trending travel destinations based on where all of these influencers were going. Nice, um, and, and Tulum was number one on that list. But yeah, I mean, Tulum is amazing. Um, 
it'll be my second time this year, but last year I went 14 times. Oh, um, geez, man. So spent a lot of time down there, but I feel yeah. like, I feel like you're someone, uh, who really likes to travel, right? And do you, do you think that you have kind of crafted this lifestyle for yourself because you figured out early on what you do and what you don't want to do and, and the type of lifestyle design that you want to have? A hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's so important to me. I think when people are trying to figure out what they want to go into or what kind of business they want to build yeah. or different things like that, they're looking at like, how much money can I make from it? Mm-hmm. And obviously that should always be a concern, but I've always been so much more concerned about about like, does this type of business support my lifestyle yeah. and like what I wanted to do? Um, so I'm super, I'm all about building lifestyle businesses, like experiential businesses, because that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I think that if, you know, for me, that's what I value. And so if I'm able to build out businesses that, you know, match my lifestyle, then I'm never going to have to work. You know right. what I mean? Because yeah. my businesses are my lifestyle. My lifestyle, you know, is my business or are my businesses. And so that's always, that's always been a major focus of mine. And that's why like, you know, it's so awesome having a remote team because I can work from anywhere, you know, in the world and it matches my lifestyle. But also like I love, you know, photography. I love connecting with people. I love telling stories. And there, those are all things that tie directly into Unfold. Um, so yeah, man, I think, you know, that that's definitely shaped um, kind of the direction I've gone and, and what I've pursued and what we've built. Yeah, I think it's important. I think lifestyle design is really, really important. Early on, uh, maybe like four years ago, when I read uh, Four Hour Work Week, Tim Ferriss talked about it. Yes, FSS. Yeah, and like, you know, it really, it really just kind of changed how I thought about jobs and how I thought about, you know, what I wanted to do, even for the next like 10 years, 20 years, because I'm not the type of person that looks at, you know, like retirement as being exciting. Like I'll never yeah. retire because if I retire, you know, like that means I want to stop doing something because I don't like it. So I don't want to ever get to that point where I want to stop doing something. And I look forward to like that long-term goal of like, you know, like, let's say you make, you know, $60,000 a year at a company and like get super cozy. Like, I don't know, like there's just, some people can do it and some people can't. But I think that if, if people are sitting back and like, they really want to make something work, but they don't know how, and they want to like do an entrepreneurial venture and they just don't know how to get it started. Like, it's good to look at what you want yourself, how much money you think you will need, how much you want to travel, you know, what type of workflow and work schedule you want. And then just kind of base, base that creativity, like around that idea, you know? I mean, I think that if we were to take like millennials and Gen Z and ask what they value most and like, if they could have their ideal lifestyle, what would be the number one thing that they would prioritize? And I think that the majority of them would say travel yeah. and that directly ties into flexibility, um, like ge- geographical flexibility. And I also think that like on your point of like figure out how much money you need, I think people overestimate how much money they will need to travel yeah. and how much money that takes. True. Like yeah. it's far more expensive for me to live in New York than it would be for me to travel nonstop year round. Right. Like I really believe that. Um, and so I think that really figuring out like realistically, you know, how much money am I going to need if I want to work remotely or like, you know, start a, start a business where I'm like a digital nomad. Um, there's definitely ways to do it that are, that are economical. So yeah, no, for sure, man. And, and going back to earth real quick and, and staying on the topic of travel, can we kind of start, uh, start out or can we go back to like the beginning of earth and the beginning <laughs> of that idea? Right. Cause for people who don't know like earth, well, if you, if you're on Instagram, you've seen earth at some point, you've seen either the, the people that you follow on earth or, or just, you've seen 
images and, and content come from it, but Earth has been such a staple in the Instagram community, I feel. And you are the brains behind it. You know, like you are you are the reason that we get to see those incredible shots that we just would never see otherwise. And these places that we get inspired to go, like you definitely like have had a hand in, in how people travel because of social media, you know, which is such a rad thing to be a part of. Can you kind of talk about the beginning of Earth and, and then kind of where it is at now? Wow. Yeah. Um, that was, that was amazing. Um, uh, yeah. So, so earth is at earth on Instagram and Twitter and earth.tumblr.com. And we're a social first, um, travel media brand. So I started earth in this, I'm guessing here, I should really know this off the top of my head. (laughs) I think, I think May of 2016. Okay. Um, and so basically I was like a Tumblr kid growing up. Um, so I would like live on Tumblr and I love just like curating content and I, so I love travel content. So what I started doing is whenever I like found somewhere that I wanted to travel to, like on Tumblr, I would save it to a folder on my desktop. Nice. And I, I told myself that I would like figure out where all of these places were somehow, some way, and I would travel there before I died. And it became like my bucket list. Um, of places that I wanted to go. But the problem was at this point, like where social media was at, like all of the content that was getting posted to Tumblr was like aggregated from elsewhere, kind Mm -hmm. of like Pinterest. Yeah, yeah. So none of them had like captions that like said where they were. Like there was no geotags. Yeah, it was just a palm tree and a beach and water. Yeah, exactly. And so you're like, I have have no idea where this is. Um, So that's why I like started saving all of them. And then this is like when Instagram just came out as well um and they had that feature where it would aggregate all of the posts um it would yeah. pull the geolocations off your posts and pin them on a map yep. do you remember that totally yeah and so that's how earth started was i went and i found that folder on my desktop and i reverse image searched all of the photos and found like original sources um figured out where they were and started posting them onto earth um, with the geolocation and yeah. so i started building out this map of places that i wanted to travel to um, and a friend of mine had the username earth and I, you know, asked him if I could use it for this project and said, yeah. So I, I took it and started building this thing out. Um, but in doing that, so I like started out pulling all of these photos from Tumblr, but then yeah. I found this like amazing budding community of like travel photographers that yeah. existed on Instagram, for Sure, which I mean, Instagram obviously created this huge community of photographers that I and this passion for photography that I don't think existed before. No, the that was the was time there. it was happening too. Like 2015 to 17 was really like when people started realizing what they could do with that. Yeah. yeah. It was like it was like the it was like PNW days. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So yeah. So I mean then what started happening is like rather than me aggregating these photos or posting these photos that I'd aggregated on Tumblr, um, I started just reposting people in the community and building relationships with these photographers. Yeah. Um, because their stuff was just as good as anything else that I was finding. And I saw this big opportunity to like, um, use this platform to not only like inspire people to travel, but also, um, support the creative community and this community of photographers that, you know, were traveling the world and, you know, creating this amazing content that we were really connecting with on an emotional level and yeah. that made us want to get out there. Um, and so it turned again, it like really turned for me, like pulling content from, you know, all corners of the web to me building one-on-one relationships with all these photographers and, and helping get their work out there and sharing it. 
Um, and, you know, as we continue to do that, the, the platform continued to grow. But that's always been such a priority of ours is, is our relationship with the community. Um, and I, I think there's so many pages out there that repost travel content and like don't, you know, credit the photographers yeah. or, you know, kind of just go rogue. But we've always seen that as such an important thing. And I think that the community has really appreciated that and, and seen that effort that we've made on our end. And because of that, um, I think that that's, that's where a lot of the growth has come from is just the support that we've seen, which has been so amazing. But. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask too, like there are so many, uh, you know, aggregated accounts, especially now, like there's so, so many, but like what, what is the difference between an account like that, that just doesn't take off an account and, and an account like earth that, you know, just becomes massive, right? Like that doesn't happen overnight. Like what, what kind of hustle is that like? Like, was that a big, a big undertaking for you personally to like really help grow that? Or, or is it all about the community and just, you know, putting out organic content? So it used to be a lot easier than it is now. I'll just start off by saying that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Cause now it's just really saturated and there's so many people trying to do the same thing. But back then, I mean, Earth was really one of the first travel accounts on Instagram um, that was doing that sort of thing. So, I mean, starting there, but the support from the community has been super, super important, like I said. I mean, obviously, like having all of these creators following Earth and like engaging with our posts and all of those sorts of things, like as much as we all hate talking about the algorithm, like has really helped with that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I started earth because I, so I started it when I was in college cause I was building an ad tech company, um, called the blue market. Mm-hmm. Um, basically we've just pushed like app installs for really big apps and companies. Um, and like, I wasn't passionate about that. I like knew a lot about it and I was like pretty good at it, yeah. but, um, it was pretty, I don't know, monotonous and not something that I found very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started Earth as kind of a side project to like save my sanity. And, and I, I've always been super, super passionate about travel. Um, so it was something that like at the end of the day, I could like, you know, <laughs> take a deep breath and like just dive yeah. into travel content and, and dream about where I wanted to go next. Um, so I, I really started it as kind of a, a side project to, to keep my sanity. And it's kind of still the same thing. Um, it's still a side project. Um, you know, obviously like unfold is, is what I'm spending most of my focus on. Yeah. But, um, again, like I think that it's funneled into everything else that I've done. And like, because of the relationships that I made through earth, like it has garnered a lot of success for unfold because I've been able to kind of bridge the gap between the two communities, which has been really, really cool. So that was like where we really saw unfold take off was within the travel community. And it seems like it kind of became your your personal project baby. Yeah. That you still get to go back to and, and always have creatively on the side. Exactly. Staying in the in the vein of what I'll talk or well what I'll say now I think is entrepreneur ADD in this sense because you have so many businesses and, and things that you've been involved in in such a short amount of time. Like real quick, just to give people an idea, how old are you? Are you twenty four right now? I'm twenty three. Twenty three Okay. Insane. Uh, so, so just to kind of like start from the beginning of a lot of this, like where did you go to college? Um, I went to San Diego state university for a year okay. and then I dropped out. Yeah. Okay. So what did, what did you, uh, what did you major in for that year? So I was studying entrepreneurship. Interesting. Can you, this is such a dumb question. Can you just go to school and study entrepreneurship or was it like a business or communications degree? So it was, it was under the business school and okay. it was an entrepreneurship's program. Oh, okay. Um, but 
I mean, I obviously didn't get into taking any, I was just taking prereqs the first year and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically while I was at school, I was building the ad tech platform that I mentioned, um, that I had launched earth at the same time. Um, that was blue, right? Yeah. Blue. So I was, I was building that out while I was in college and we were just growing so fast. And while I was in college, we, we opened a New York office. And so, um, my summer after my first year of college, I moved out to New York to, to work out of this office and I just never ended up going back to school. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was like a very calculated thing. So I've always told myself that, well, like at this time it was, it was a major shift in advertising from desktop desktop to mobile. Right. Right. Super that big, massive yeah. shift was going on. And like, I understood that shift because I grew up like on mobile, on desktop, like on the internet. Yeah. Um, and was really living that shift and understood it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I understood it as a user, but because of that, I could also understand it like as an advertiser on the back end. And so I kind of like, I could have finished out school. Right. But mm-hmm. by the, by that time, this shift would have pretty much been over and that opportunity wouldn't be there. So I really told myself like, if I want to, you know, really, really capture this opportunity here, like I just need to go full force at it. And so that's, yeah. So I didn't go back. Did you really, sorry to cut you off, but did you realize that when you were in school? Because obviously like you went to San Diego, like you made the move, you did the plunge and like that, that itself is, is gigantic for people that even want to do anything in entrepreneurship or business. When did you realize that maybe there's a chance that you're just going to build out this machine on your own and, and bail out of school. Was that right when you got there? No, it wasn't right when I got there. Honestly, I actually never officially dropped out. (laughs) Oh, nice. Dude, you got to go to class tomorrow. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. I actually (laughs) still get emails from the school and like from the program and stuff about like internships, which I think is so funny. funny. Um, but yeah, so I actually never officially dropped out. I just left for the summer and Uh thought I would go back. Uh, but everything was just growing so fast that I couldn't justify like sitting in class anymore. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was, it was a very calculated decision that I made, but I think at the end of the day, I just told myself that um, if there was ever a time that opportunities ran dry and I didn't have anything to work on, that I would go back to school. Right. Yeah. It was never like a, I'm never going back to school thing. You know, it was like, I have opportunities right now that I think that my time would be, you know, better spent pursuing these things. Yeah. Um, but if I don't feel that way anymore, I'll go back to class. Exactly. And like school is that type of thing, right? Where you can, you can kind of put it, you can put it on the side for a second. If you have another opportunity, like you said that you want to jump into. And like, I think that that is super gigantic too, because how many people are out there with maybe a tiny, tiny opportunity and they're afraid to take that jump either away from their nine to five or away from school because they don't know what's going to happen. But like, obviously like you are such a good example of the growth that can happen in in your life and your career is really going to happen in the uncomfortable state, right? And that uncomfortable jump in like leaving the, the comfortable lifestyle, like that is where all the growth happens. Yeah, I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Like, so much growth happens in uncomfortability. Yeah, and like, if you can learn how to be uncomfortable when you're being when you're uncomfortable, like that is one of the greatest skills that you can have. Um, and it applies to every single part of your life. And I think it's so so important. Yeah, like when you yeah. went to New York, like for one, why why did you guys pick New York over over other you know big cities that you could start making a, um, an impact in? So we had an office in San Diego. My co-founders had met a CEO that um, ended up coming onto the company and he lived here in New York. So basically we had, you know, split offices between San Diego and, and here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's so funny. I mean, I never thought I would move to New York. I grew up on the West Coast, grew up in Washington State. Yeah. Like living on the East Coast never even crossed my mind. <laughs> I was like, West Coast, best coast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I love it. New York is my, my favorite place I've ever lived. So when you went over there and you guys built out Blue, like is, that, is Blue still around right now? Blue isn't still around, okay. no. Did you venture into Coast Nine after Blue? Like when did that kind of crossover take place? Yeah, so it was it was after Blue. Um, they were somewhat similar concepts. So Coast Nine was basically similar, like an ad tech platform. Yeah. Um, that can I mean this sounds super generic, and I don't want to get super into the technicalities, but connected brands with influencers. Yeah. Um, but basically, they it wasn't like normal influencers. It was like meme accounts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which typically charge much lower rates than, mm -hmm. you know, personality influencers. And so the idea is that like not every brand needs to pay the premium for a personality influencer and they're just looking for impressions. Um, in which case, you know, going with a different, like a meme account or, you know, a, a theme account, yeah. um, would make more sense. And so that was kind of the concept of Coast Nine that became the launch pad for a lot of other things that I did because then everything else that I built, um, I could scale through, this ad tech platform that I had, that I had built out. So that became the launch pad for like, you know, Christmas AF, which I, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, for which sure. is like Christmas sweater company and um, a bunch of other apps that I had developed and, and things like that. So th it was like this crazy central engine that, that powered everything else that I had built yeah. um, kind of in that time. And it also seems like a, a fascination in figuring out how to automate a business. And with Christmas AF using, I, I assume using drop shipping and, and making it you know, very streamlined, very simple. Is that kind of the backbone of how Christmas AF came to be? Yeah. So the Christmas AF story is, is actually pretty nuts, but basically after I was, after I, so I ended up leaving blue. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I left blue, I, I moved to Mexico to Rosarito, Mexico, um, which is South of San Diego, like something like an hour, an hour drive over the border. Yeah. Um, and I went there because I was like, I, you know, don't want to go back to San Diego and be around all my college friends and like have all of these distractions. And I don't really want to go back to school yet. Cause there's a lot of other things that I want to work on. So I'm just going to go somewhere where I know no one. Um, it basically just worked for like a few months, like head down on, on things that I wanted to do. And yeah. it was such an amazing, like we talked about being, you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right, and that right. was like one of those defining moments that's yeah. like, I'm in a foreign country. I don't speak Spanish. I know no one here, mm -hmm. but like ended up like meeting people and like making friends. And, you know, it was, it was a really amazing experience, yeah. but throughout that, like was, you know, building all sorts of things. I um, mean, kind of exploring what, what I wanted to work on next. Um, but I ended up getting mono oh, and, no. um, couldn't couldn't take it anymore like i'm you know i'm on my own down there yeah so i'm like i gotta go home so i moved back home with my parents um and i, I moved back into my into my room and it's christmas time and so i'm literally laying in bed like bedridden like feeling so horrible yeah and like what can i do like what can i work on like i just dropped out of school i moved to mexico yeah here's that uncomfort mono. really sinking in <laughs> yeah like i'm at this like low 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 point yeah and, like i need to pick myself up like what am i gonna do yeah so um at this point like i had been kind of messing around with coast nine and i was like you know what like i was trying to figure out like i have this huge sort i have this i can tap into these huge audiences through this thing mm -hmm. right 
And what can I build in order to monetize off of these audiences? And so I was like analyzing, like, what do the demographics of these audiences look like? And like, what are things that they could be interested in? Mm -hmm. And so around that time, again, it's like Christmas time. My little sister's in high school and um, she has a Christmas sweater day. And I was like, that's it. Like Christmas sweaters. Like, yes, there's the ugly Christmas sweaters, but what if like we made not so ugly Christmas sweaters that were like less like, you know, about being ugly and more just about being yeah. like, cute and trendy. Yeah. Like, like something you'd see at Urban Pinterest. Outfitters or yeah. Pinterest. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So that's what we went after. Um, and like ran some tests on it and like, you know, saw things backing out. Um, and you know, I was like, I think that this could be a thing. So, <laughs> but at this point I had no money left and I was like living with my parents. So I had no way to like scale the ads out. Yeah. Um, but I still had my car sitting in San Diego that <laughs> my, my childhood friend was looking after. Oh man. You're like, sell so that I, thing and send me the money. Literally. <laughs> so I threw it up on Craigslist yeah. and was having him show it to people, sold my car, Crazy. took that money, dumped it into ads Nuts. and blew up Christmas AF. Dude. Um, and that was like really the turning point, which is like so ridiculous and crazy that that turning point ended up being like ugly Christmas sweaters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was such a such a random thing. And to your point on drop shipping, so we were doing everything through this company called Teespring, mm-hmm. um, which just allows you to like upload your designs. Yeah, and sell yeah, things. yeah. I've heard of it for sure. So it allowed me to like be solo working on this project where you know I'm not having to handle any of the logistics or anything like that, um, and I can just focus on like designing and selling. Yeah, um, which were my strong points. Um, so yeah, no, I mean that that was the first jump, and then after that, I ended up the first day of the new year, right after Christmas, moving to San Francisco and like diving into my next adventure. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, real quick, before we get into San Francisco, like I find that that world of, you know, drop shipping, but also just using e-commerce as this insane tool to really, you know, put something out there, but also have an automated business. I've been super interested in that for a while. Um, and just like the, des- the design of that, like where did you kind of figure out the tools to make a business like that work? Did you just do a ton of research or did you have people that you know that had tried before? Like, how did you figure that all out? I w- honestly like just searching around and messing around. I mean, obviously doing like anything in apparel mm-hmm. is so much easier from a drop shipping standpoint yeah. than like a custom product. But also harder um, to break through the noise for sure. Definitely harder to break through the noise. Honestly, I got so lucky with the timing of it all. Yeah. Um, because at this point, like right now, the Christmas sweater kind of niche is like so saturated and there's so many people trying to do it. But at the time, I kind of hit it before anyone else had done it. Yeah. Also on the point of e-com, like when I launched that, that was also kind of when e-com was starting to trend mm-hmm. and it was like way easier to cut through that noise as well. Yeah. Um, so timing of it was great. And I'll say that, like that definitely played in my favor. But I mean, yeah, like as far as drop shipping and like e-com and stuff like that, like there's so many resources out there now to like figure that out. For sure. Um, and, you know, especially with apparel, because I mean, apparel is so easy because you just, you know, are using all of the same blank, you know, sweaters or t-shirts or hoodies or whatever they are. And then just like printing everyone's different designs on them. Like, so for Teespring, you know, everyone's uploading their designs but they're all going out of the same warehouse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's so many different solutions for that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, there's so many resources out there these days for, yeah. for e-com stuff. 
Yeah, the dudes that uh, the dudes that do movement watches, they're from my hometown. Yeah. We went to like rival high schools; they're the same age. But they they treated that platform like he. I was I was watching one of them, uh, one of those dudes on an on an interview recently, and he was like, "Yeah, man, like we built the brand around just knowing that Facebook was such a huge tool at the time to to yeah. get an ad out, and for so cheap too. Like that, like those ads have kind of been compressing a little bit. You don't get as much reach now as you did two or three right. years ago. Like you, I'm sure you could spend a hundred bucks maybe two or three years ago and legitimately get in front of 50 to 60,000 people. Like you could get in front of so many people. So building a business around that, the time you did it was, you know, the, the sweet spot, I feel like of, of the algorithm of how those ads, you know, reach the people, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was definitely a much different time. Like not only was e-com less saturated, but also like there were less people spending on Facebook ads and obviously it's a, it's a bidding platform. So the more people there are trying to buy the same spots, the more expensive it gets for everyone. Um, so now with all of these e-com, you know, stores popping up and more big brands spending on Facebook, ads are getting more expensive for everyone. So it's harder to, you know, turn a dime. Um, but the movement guys are super inspiring for sure. Yeah, I they think, are. Um, a few, I think one of them went to San Diego state. So I'm, I'm friends with a few of them, but oh, super nice. inspiring guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you, do you find that, well, are you still using, um, Facebook and Instagram for ads on a pretty consistent basis right now? No. So actually we, we haven't spent any money marketing unfold, um, which is pretty crazy. We're coming up on 17 million users now and um, haven't, haven't run a single ad. Um, So no, I actually, I don't spend any time really, really on that sort of thing. I'm, I mean, I'm always looking at like what's next. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, obviously, you know, those things are getting kind of squashed when it comes to marketing through those platforms. But like what, what in your eyes do you kind of see as being the next frontier of, of a way to get in front of people? I'm obviously a little bit biased, but I think that there's still massive opportunity lying in Instagram story ads because I think that. I mean, I was talking earlier about like working in ad tech during the shift from desktop to mobile, right? And anytime you have a shift in attention like this, there's so much money to be made for whoever can figure it out first, Yeah, right? And you just have to figure out where that shift is happening and how you can capitalize on it. And so, for example, with Instagram stories, I mean, we're seeing this massive shift in media consumption on social, Mm -hmm. shifting from feed to stories, and I mean, this isn't anything new. This has hap- been happening for the last few years. Yeah. But brands are so slow to figure out these sorts of things. And I think there's still massive opportunity to figure out how to make Instagram stories convert. Yeah. And so I think that that's where the most opportunity lies as far as Facebook ads go. And even in the entire you know advertising landscape um, on the web. Is is Instagram Stories? I think that there's still a lot of a lot of room to grow there and, and figure that out as a platform. Yeah, and like you said too, like brands are like notoriously known to be behind just by like two or three years, right? Like they hop on a trend once they realize, and usually it's because they don't want to they don't want to give in, right? In the beginning, maybe they know, maybe someone in their creative team knows, but they don't want to put the money there until it's proven. And now that it's proven that it gets twice as many eyes, like even personal stories, right? Like, like my accounts, like I get twice as many views as my regular posts. And like, that's very small scale, but imagine these big brands that realize they can get in front of twice as many eyes by having super clean content. They just have to figure out how to do it. And like unfold is the template to, to make it happen, which is insane. Totally. And I mean, even, even from a paid media perspective, like spent, like spending ad, 
budget on Instagram stories, I think is really important too. Yeah. Um, and I think that that platform is still evolving a lot and they're coming up with like new um, ad units for stories. So I think that that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, man. And it's, and it's quick too, right? Like there's gotta be something there just about people's attention span because of this mobile era that's been, you know, happening for years now, but like, you know, scrolling through a post on Instagram, that's amazing. That's great. But you kind of get so used to that routine and, and it loses a lot of the flair. Like I think people are starting to become like even quicker with their attention span and just like those swipes and like those quick, like the quick imagery, like that's becoming, you know, kind of how people want to consume media. Totally. And I mean, that's one of our biggest pitches for Unfold, right? It's like you have a split second to capture the attention yeah. of people who are tapping through stories. And so you have to do something different. Whether that's using Unfold, whether that's using, whether that's designing your own assets in Photoshop or whatever it is, like you have to stand out. Yeah. Um, because you really only do have that split second to to get someone to stop and actually watch, you know, what what you're exactly. what you're trying to push. So Yeah, man, there's still a lot of time left for these brands to to figure it out. Um so okay, let's go back real quick to now San Francisco making the <laughs> jump there. Yes. So basically, I had decided that I wanted to find technical co-founders. Yeah. Um, because I'm not technical myself. I'm not a software engineer. I don't write code, really. Um, but I understand how it works. So I'll think of something that I want to build. Mm-hmm. I like draw it all out. Like, this is how it needs to work. But like, I don't actually sit down and write it. So I needed someone, you know, who could do that sort of thing. Right. So I decided San Francisco would be the place to go. Yeah. So I ended up moving to San Francisco. <laughs> I wait, wait, real quick before before you tell me that you're in your like penthouse loft in San Francisco. No, 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 how no, no. hard? Like it's going to take a bunch of yeah, turns. <laughs> exactly. Like because I know well that going to San Francisco on a whim, which is already insane, and you're only 23 now. That's crazy. So this wasn't even when you were 23. But anyways, uh, going there <laughs> is an extremely hard place to to make it work. Right? Like it is one of the hardest. Like New York, LA is tough, but San Francisco, the cost of living, becoming a part of that inner inner circle, that Silicon Valley bubble, right? Like, can, like how? What was that very beginning like? I know you're going to get into it, but I just had to like add that in, like how just hard it really is to make that one work. So, well, I have to set up how I how I settled into San Francisco. Yeah. So. I have grown up very frugal, right? I don't spend a lot of money. I like try to like live very conservatively in general. Um, and so, you know, I just made some money from Christmas AF, but moving to San Francisco, I wanted to save as much of that as possible to invest in like business ventures, not on mm-hmm. like rent. So I also didn't want to sign a lease because I didn't know how long I would end up staying in San Francisco. Right. So scrolling through Airbnb, I find this thing called Startup House. I'm like, okay, great. Startup House, like there'll be a bunch of startup founders, you know, you know, all crashing in this like, you know, co-living space. Awesome. Yeah. So I get a room at Startup House and I think it's like $1,500 a month or something, which like, believe it or not, is like That's super nothing. cheap for yeah, San Francisco. Yeah. And so it turns out that it's, an old sex toy warehouse oh, what? that <laughs> got converted into a co-living space. Nice. So the first floor is like a kitchen and like a hangout area. Yeah, yeah. The second floor is the guy's floor, which is literally like one, two, three, four, five, uh, like 18 bunk beds. In one and big thir- room. And Yes, in okay. one big room with two bathrooms. And $1,500 a month. Insane. Yes. Okay. And then the third floor is like, you know, the girls' floor and like some, you know, 
some workspace. Yeah. So that was startup. House. It's like a so hostel. Ha- it's yes. It was yeah. like a hostel literally. So that was my introduction to San Francisco. Um, and so I get there and, you know, super excited to be there. This was like, unlike, you know, really anything that I had ever seen before. I like, have always been super into tech, but like, it's all relative, right? Yeah. So like relative to the people around me, I like know a lot and I'm like very into tech, mm-hmm. but like in San Francisco, I'm like, whoa, this is a lot. And like, I am apparently not as into tech as I thought I was. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, but it was, it was it was really, really crazy. Um, honestly, not the biggest fan of San Francisco. Yeah. Didn't really enjoy living there, but was like such a period of growth for me and like a learning period. Yeah. So what, what, what projects were you involved in? Or at least like, what was that San Francisco timeline like? Like, what was that experience like when it comes to building anything out? Well, so I, at this time, like had Christmas Day off, F, obviously. Yeah. I had my first version of Coast 9, uh, but I was looking to build out a second version but then I also wanted to start building apps, like viral kind of apps uh-huh. that like I could promote through the Coast Nine, you know, ad platform. Right. So like, what are what are apps that I could like p- just push super heavy on social and that can like blow up? And so that's why I wanted to find technical co-founders in San Francisco was so I could you know build out some of these different app concepts that I had that like may be able to blow up. Um, so this is like one of my favorite stories. So I'm at Startup House, on the communal level on the floor, and I had just posted to Instagram on Earth. Yeah. And a friend of mine in the house was like, hey, turn on your push notifications and post something. And, like, I want to see how many notifications you get. Yeah. And, like, obviously you get a notification for, like, every like, every comment, Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, your phone just blows up. And so I post and I'm sitting on this, like, at this communal table and my phone is, like, spinning because it's vibrating so much. Yeah. And it just shuts down and like can't handle it. <laughs> Unreal. And this guy is sitting next to me at the table and he's like, what's that? Like what, like what's going on? Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, you know, my friend told me to like post to Instagram and like turn my push notifications on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but like, why are your notifications like that? And I was yeah. like, oh, like I, you know, own this platform called Earth. Um, and it has like, you know, however many followers at the time. And he was like, wow, that's super interesting. Like, tell me more. And so, like, I kind of get, get into, like, this thing. He's like, what else are you working on? I kind of tell him about Coast 9 and Christmas AF. Turns out he is from Uruguay, and they're running a startup there, but they're shutting it down. And so, anyway, he's basically, like, at the end of this conversation, I have a whole engineering team sitting back in Uruguay. We're shutting nice. down our startup. And, like, whatever you want to work on, like, Let's the, power, the power and the reach that you have is, like, nothing i've seen before Nuts, so man. like i trust you whatever you want to build let's do it dude there's san francisco working how it was Literally. supposed to <laughs> unreal so i packed my bags and moved back to uruguay with them two weeks later Jeez, um man. and we started a software studio called beta labs where we basically built uh, we built like 12 different apps in the period of 10 months um a few of them really really took off so mm-hmm. one of them was um, top nine, which is around like New Year's every year. You know how people post the like yeah. nine yeah, yeah, top yeah. photos from the year. Yeah. So that was one of the. That was that you told. guys. Yeah. Oh, so that, dude, are you kidding me? Everyone knows top nine. This year, it actually hit the number one app in the app store overall. Unreal, um, man. Yeah. So it was like a really, really crazy time, um, and like a huge risk for both of us. Obviously, like this guy just met me, and he's saying like, "Hey." 
my whole team, like whatever you want to build, like yeah. we're on it. Yeah. And like, yeah, for sure. I'm dropping everything and moving to a country that I've never been to. I've never even been to South America, like much less Europe. Dude, that's but. a big deal, man. He, he saw something in you that is important. That's nice. But I it, like that. I mean, it was also so amazing for someone to just like be willing to take that sort of risk on me too. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? And uh, that was like exactly what I was looking for. So yeah, so I ended up moving to Uruguay and, and building a lot of things. But again, like such a period of growth and like, I think the one of the common themes here is like being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. And that was again just one of those periods of like crazy growth, right? And um, I guess kind of like tying this all tying this all up and bringing a common thread through it all. Yeah. When I dropped out of school, I told myself like if I don't drop out, I'm going to be here for the next three years, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I was like, if I leave, I'm going to treat the next three years like my college in the real world, yeah, you know, and I'm going to learn as much as I can in like as many different, you know, spaces as I can, industries as I can, roles as I can and meet as many people as possible and just treat the real world like my college. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people talk about like networking at college. I'm like, I can do that in the real world. People are like talking about learning in class. I'm like, I can do that in the real world for sure. And like in a way that's like more applicable in my opinion. So that's how I treated those three years. Um, and those three years just wrapped up a few months ago. Um, but I mean, yeah, that was, that was really my goal. And I think that in all of the experiences that I had during those three years, it was figuring out how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and trying to learn as much as possible and mess up as much as possible. Um, and also like, try to like wear as many hats as possible. And, you know, like I was just talking to Alfie about this the other day. Some days I'm a lawyer. <laughs> some days I'm a designer. Yeah. Some days I'm a marketer. Some days I'm working customer support. Like some days I'm a social strategist, like working at a startup, you wear so many different hats For sure. and you learn in so many different roles. And that's, that's how I treated that time period. And I think that I came out of it, you know, learning much more, during that time that, than I would have learned in college. And so like in hindsight, super glad I made that decision, but you know, obviously that decision's different for everyone. Yeah. And now you're, you know, you're 23 years old looking, looking forward and that, that all has happened, right? Like that's in the past and like, that is what got you to where you are now. So like what, I mean, what is the next decade look like for you? Are you, are you living in the moment completely? Are you, are you kind of guiding this ship in a certain way? Like how, how do you go about all that? I mean, I would like to think it's much more methodical than it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a method to the madness. I think that I wish I was totally in the moment, but a lot of times I tend to feel that, like I'm just running a marathon and I just need to get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as, ma- as amazing as this opportunity and this opportunity, you know, that I'm living in is um, and, and everything that's happened and everything that I'm working on, like I'm so passionate about it, but you know, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, okay, you're not running a marathon. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, what does the next decade look like? I think I'm super passionate about experience-based businesses, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I I care so much about, you know, hospitality. I, I love travel. I love how that intersects with, you know, food and the hotel industry and, um, I love music and I love going to festivals and I love all of these things yeah. that are, you know, tangible in the real world. And that I, I go and experience them and, and come out of them with like memories and like this feeling that it has shaped like who I am and how I see the world. Um, 
So I don't know, like, I think that the next decade for me is just going to be pursuing that feeling. Yeah. Um, and that passion that I have for, for, you know, experiences. I think that, I mean, my end goal, honestly, I want to, I want to do boutique hotels. It's kind of the phase that I'm in. Um, because I think that one of the most powerful things that I've ever felt is, is stepping into a space that I feel so inspired by that I, and reflecting on that moment and like, I never want to leave this moment. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm pulling everything, every, I'm tapping into every sense that I have, right? Like sight, sound, smell, like the taste, like whatever. Yeah. Like I'm pulling on every single sense and I'm like, this is stimulating every single one of my senses in like the most incredible way right now. That's like really shaping how I see things and, and my experience. And like, I will never forget this moment. And I think that that is something that I'm really passionate about, whether it lies, you know, in boutique hotels, whether it relies or lies in, you know, restaurants or music festivals or different experiences. I don't know, but I think that I'm at this period of my life right now where I'm, I'm chasing that, yeah. chasing that feeling. And, so. and dude, it's funny you say boutique hotels too, because I had this conversation like recently with somebody about how these hotels are popping up and they're, they're actually like really making a presence and they're really becoming known because people still do love that feeling, right. Of walking into a hotel. And like, I shoot for a few of these boutique hotels in Los Angeles and I'm actually kind of gearing my branding a little bit more towards that in this next year, which is cool also that you bring that up because I, I see that they're becoming bigger, but people want that experience. They want to know that that bar that's in that hotel is just as cool as the room that's in there as the courtyard as the rooftop. And like, it's almost, like this really cool, incredible brand all in itself, like this little self like bubble of a hotel that you can like get lost in, right? Like in a, a beautiful area and a cool city or wherever it may be. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just think no, that, I, love, I, love I, think I think that it's it awesome. I think because of this Airbnb culture, I think that that is yeah. what's happening from it. I think that these hotels are realizing that people want more of an experience and the early investors and the early people jumping into it right now are going to see a lot of benefits from it. No, totally. And I think that it really, the core of it is just people craving authenticity, right? Yeah. And like, I think that that's one of the biggest differences between our generation and our parents' generation is that we don't travel the getaway, like we travel to live. Yes, for um, sure. And, and when you're traveling to live, you crave authentic experiences. And I think that boutique hotels are so focused on, you know, really portraying the wherever the destination is. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, obviously the, you know, traditional hotel industry, like if you go and stay in the Hyatt or whatever, it's just like, kind of a spin off of the Hyatt with yeah, some like maybe the artwork coffee, on the wall yeah. is like local or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Um but I, I don't know. That's what I love about boutique hotels though. It's all about pulling the, the different elements of of the destination into one place and like curating them in a way that that people can identify and connect with. Definitely. So I love it. And also going back to about, you know, kind of where where you're headed because it's tough to it's tough to know because you've gotten to the point you're at kind of you know letting things happen like I feel like you're a very reactive entrepreneur which is extremely important especially with all the tech that that you know hasn't even happened yet and it's gonna it's going to happen if you can be a reactive entrepreneur or a reactive creative like it can go either way but like to be able to to utilize what's happening around you the time it is that's why three or four or five years from now what you're doing 
could be something around a business model that's not even made yet, right? It could be around VR. It could be around something that that is coming that we just don't know yet. So if you get out of that mindset of like a stable track, like I know what I'm going to do 100%, I'm going to work on, you know, Instagram story ads for the next 10 years. <laughs> it's not going to be like that in 10 years. So you have to be a reactive entrepreneur to figure out at the time, like, you know, what's the best way to monetize this situation? That's such a great point because like, I was talking earlier about, you know, capitalizing on shifts, right? And there's so many shifts always always going on, right? Like even right now, like maybe this fad is kind of at the tail end. I don't know. I we don't have them here in New York, but scooters, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that's a massive shift in, you know, local transportation. For sure. Right? And last mile transportation, mm-hmm. as they call it, right? Like that's an example of of a massive shift in something that like can be capitalized on. I'm sure there's a million businesses that can be built around that shift. But point being, if if you try to plan everything out, you can't capitalize on the shifts, right? Right? You have to be reactive in order to capitalize on things as they pop up like that. Yeah. Right. And I know we're getting to the end here, but even how I met Alfie and how I got involved with Unfold. So I actually didn't found, well, I founded Unfold, but it was originally Alfie's thesis project. Yeah, The concept of it was Alfie's thesis project. And he DM'd me on Instagram and asked if I would try out the app. And I was working on a million other things, but I tried it and I was like, this is really cool. Turns out we lived half a mile from each other. We got coffee. He was like, hey, I really need help on this thing. You have the things that I'm missing. Like, will you be my co-founder on this? And I was like, let me think about it for a minute, thought on it for a few days. It was like, you know what? Yes, I'm in. Yeah. But like, that's an example of being reactive. Yeah. And like, if I had this stable track planned out in my head of like what the next five, 10 years, whatever looked like, I wouldn't have been able to be reactive in that situation and say yes to it. Yep. Right. I would have been like, this doesn't fit the track that I have for myself in my mind. So like, I'm going to have to pass. Yep. And I mean, I would have passed on a massive, massive opportunity that now, you know, is 95% of what I work on. Yeah. Um, so I think that that point is so, so important. Yeah, man. So crucial. Dude, I dig it, man. Andy, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and, and you know, making the time and, and, you know, letting me pick your brain for an hour. Of course, man. This was fun. Enjoy chatting. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So for people to find you, uh, you are... Uh, one of the people in the world that has a first name Instagram handle, it is at Andy. <laughs> so that's awesome. But yeah, you can find you at at Andy. Earth is at Earth. Um, unfold is, is geez, I look at it so much, but just to add unfold, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, add unfold. Just add unfold. Earth.co, your website, andymccune.com, M-C-C-U-N-E.com. If you go on the site and it's an old rock star from like the 70s, that that might be you as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, your site's up there. Cool, man. Is there anything else that you want to you wanna plug or have people people do other than uh, download Unfold and use it? Actually, I had someone yeah, yesterday, I get DM'd all the time like, hey, how do you do your stories? And it's like, Psh, Unfold, baby. Just get on that thing. So, <laughs> love it. Love it. All the time. Well, I'm going to have to figure out an influencer array for you. But um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think there's anything else. Thank you so much for having me on and chatting, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode with Andy. Had a really good time chatting with him. Learned a lot, right? Like it's it's cool to be able to uh, to get in the brains of you know like all these companies and all these businesses and unfold and 
it's just uh, it's cool, man. It's 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 sweet to see how people are wired because everyone's wired differently, and it's it's interesting. I love it. All right, you guys, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. If you want to see more from Andy, you can find him on Instagram at Andy. Um, you can find his website at andymccune.com on Twitter at ninth, which is the number nine th. So at ninth on Twitter, or just search his name. I'm sure it will come up. Anyways, uh, say hey to us at Darkroom. Say hey to me at Dane Diener, and we will see you guys next week.